It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. And joining me today is the man who made it cool to be tiny in a big man's world. He's a 1991 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, an NBA champion, a seven-time NBA All-Star, a three-time NBA All-First Teamer, and he won the NBA Scoring Championship in 1972, averaging 34 points per game. He is, of course, Nate Tiny Archibald. Tiny, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And now let me start because such a large part of your legend is actually, it's your journey. Uh, South Bronx kid, cut from the varsity squad, toys with the idea of dropping out of high school. And then with the help of two mentors, Floyd Lane and Pablo Robertson, you decide to stick it out. Looking back now, all these, all these years later, how close was this story to having a very different ending? Very close, Kyle, because, you know, as a... Sports and, and people say basketball as a sports uh, person that was enthused about, first of all, it was baseball. Okay, I grew up in a uh, popularly uh, Hispanic neighborhood, and it was baseball. I love baseball, but I tell people, as I got not older, car, as the years, I'm 13, 14, playing in the, the Little Leagues, St. Mary's Park, which is on the Street. Anybody that's from New York knows where that is. Southern populated Hispanic area. I left the game. And I told them as I got 13, 14, the ball got smaller. And they said, the ball got smaller, but the ball was the same size. No, the ball got smaller. And then, Kyle, the ball started moving. And I'm like, whoa, I need a bigger ball. I saw these guys practicing outside, playing, shooting, and stuff. I said, maybe I need to use that ball, and not on a bat, but maybe, let me see what happens. Floyd Lane, a guy named Hilton White, probably went to be recruited today. with the Globe Charts. Those guys, I watched play, they sat, not just me, but they sat a lot of people down, and they talked about being a student athlete early on. I get a chance to go to Duquesne High School. By the way, Carl had 19 guys. It's, in, it's in, in, in the record books now. 19 guys out of this high school that either played in the NBA or ABA. 19 guys. Okay, we got two guys, myself and a guy named Dal Chase, who went to Duquesne High School. Two guys from the same high school that went there at different times, but it was in the basketball all the same in the so-called top 50 players of all time. So it, it, it's a, a very athletic high school, but I told kids what I'm a good student. And this was happened. And, you know, and people said, well, you didn't make a team. Whether I was good or bad back then, I didn't make the team because I neglected to do what was supposed to be right. A lot of kids just want to play ball. And that was one of those kids. I want to go and just play basketball. Okay? My coach and also teacher said, if you don't go to class, you can't play on the team. And I'm saying, not that I was any better than anybody. I'm saying, some of them guys out there that are playing, I think I might be a little better than them. He said, if you don't go to class, you can't play on the team. So he kicked me off. So I'm thinking, that this picture is not right. And I don't like school anymore. Because this could change that. I don't want to play basketball. Coaching changed when I was a junior. Bob Buckner took over the team. And everything got, it, 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 it was a clear picture. Bob Buckner played with Coach Knight and Coach Kelly under their two legs. He brought that West Point 
mentality to deal with Clinton High School. When I was a senior, we didn't lose a game. And I was, I tell people, that, well, you, you know, you was the man to deal with Clinton. No. I told them I've made the team and I was on the team. Okay? Because I just want to make them put, put it in perspective, Cal, that it's not how you start. You could be an early bloomer, you could be a late bloomer, but it's the chances and the choices that you make early on to build a strong foundation. Right. From there, somebody, I don't know what talent they looked at me as, but they recognized something in me. I got a free and affordable education, and I took advantage of it. And everything else became a clear picture. But if it wasn't for the early uh, involvement with Floyd Lane, Hilton White, Pablo, and, and my mother and father stating because they didn't get a college education. Right. Okay? They said, you're going to school, period. Right. Okay? You're going to get an education, period. Okay? And from that on, it was a done deal. And I told kids all the time about education, but kind the, the rules are different now. Back then, if they told you something, they reinforced it by you know what. Okay, so my thing was, I'm listening to them because I feel like I need to get beat down every time. All right? So they, they reinforced that. I got an education. I was on that Google Clinton team. Okay? And, and everything was, was good high school, college. I had my best years in growing when I was in high school and college. And people always say, well, what about the pros? For me, the pros was a job. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had more experience and a love, and I wasn't a great student. I always felt I wasn't a great student, but I was forced to get an education because if you don't go to class, they could take you off the scholarship. Sure. And back then it was, you know, four year scholarship, and now it's one year renewal every year. But I, it, it, I was blessed. And fortunate and lucky that people gave me a chance to do something that I, I didn't think I could do. So let's talk a little bit about that college experience because, you know, after obviously, and even we could get back and talk about the playground stuff too with Rucker Park. It's, it's hard to talk about Nate Tiny Archibald without talking about the way that your game really bridged the gap between the DeWitt Clinton days and the Rucker Park days and put it all together at University of Texas El Paso for Don Haskins. Can you talk to me about the way that Coach Haskins really fed into your development, not as a basketball player, but as a young man in, 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 a, in an era in which your development and growth was so apparent? Well, I, I came there a year later after they won the championship. There were three guys that were, and they were players, they were student athletes, that went to Texas Western, which became the University of Texas El Paso. One guy went to the same, we went to the same high school, Willie Worsley. Played in the ABA a little bit, but they won the championship. And there were two other guys that went to Texas Western, which became University of Texas El Paso. Willie Cage went to Mars High School, and Neville Shirt went to Mars High School. All three high schools, all two high schools were in the Bronx. All three guys grew up in the Bronx. Man. All three guys, all four guys played on the same team under the same guys, or tonight. Okay, so I knew those guys, okay, and growing up. When they won the championship, I was at Arizona Western, which was a, a junior college in Utah, Arizona, and when they won it, it was a done deal. Because Willie Worsley, and I tell people that today, Willie Worsley, as small as he was, 
or they could jump, they could run, dump the ball and stuff like that. I couldn't do those things. So I'm watching Willie, and I, t- I tell Willie, if I had Willie on the phone today, you, you were my mentor. And Willie was a great student athlete, model for me, who wasn't a, a, a great student athlete model, okay? So he helped me in my development as being, making that transformation from Taylor Clinton, which I was on the team and Willie was on the team, he didn't go to Arizona, but he went straight to Texas Western. And also, when I got there, he was kind of mentally me. You got to go to class, too. You got to get your behind up. And and I tell people, they was a program, whether you like it or not, when you go to college. And a lot of people don't talk about it, especially student athletes don't talk about it. We had to get up early in the morning for conditioning. And people say conditioning? Yes, running. Okay. Haskins had a theory called in the bed. Haskins had a theory that if we got up and you did your conditioning, that was only a part of your day. Okay. The next part was you go in the cafeteria. Okay. You eat. Shower first. You eat. And then you go to class. Okay. You don't go back to sleep. Okay. So his day, your day was broken up. And it wasn't necessarily on the schedule, but it was his schedule. He kept you busy. Then you go to class. And then... You go have your lunch break, and after the lunch break, before we really started, you had another conditioner. You had a, what they call, it wasn't an open gym, okay, but you worked out with some of the guys that were already there, okay? So let me talk about from 3.30 to 5.30, maybe 6, then you go eat. <laughs> you had study hall after that, 6 to about 8. So you're saying, well, what happens to my social time? You don't find one. <laughs> Unless you're very creative and you have great thinking skills, because you're thinking about, I got to get up at 5.30 the next morning and run. We ran every day in the morning. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not saying Nate Archibald was a good student athlete, but sometimes I miss. That means I had to run double. Oof. Okay? And, I, and, I, and, and after doing maybe one or two of those doubles, I said, I didn't want to be on the track team. I was trying to make the basketball team. I needed to get my behind up and go to class and be attentive, okay, and see if I can learn something. So after running a couple of times, and not just sitting in the classroom, after running double a couple of times, I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right, so let me get up and be like some of these guys who are already do it. And they mentored me. You know, the players helped me in that development to build that that I call it a stronger foundation because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to college. I don't care what campus you want. You got eyeballs. You're looking. Okay. And my thing was, I still got my eyeballs, but I got to go something. I got to go into some of these classes and try to learn something. And it was a good development. I'm the really ones who helped me. And I, I, and I, every time I see him, I thank him because he was the player that gave me that foundation. And you talk about the way that the game transferred from your into being a profession, and of course that happens in 1970 uh, when the Cincinnati Royals take you 19th overall. Now, obviously, the draft didn't have the glitz attached to it that it does now, but that experience had to feel like validation for that journey, for all those mornings waking up for conditioning, for all those afternoons going back for conditioning. Am I right? Was that the beginning of a validation? And was that part important? I I, I, I think in a way, it it wasn't the validation, Kyle, but it was the reinforcement that I could do certain things that I didn't think I was capable of doing. And that was a playing ball, because I think everybody has an ego thinking that they're has some kind of 
input in the game. And my thing was, I'm still learning. Yeah. The, the, the transformation with that was, even though I went behind, I came behind them, I played with those guys early on because we grew up in the same neighborhood. I went back to school and got my college undergrad degree. Right. And I tell people that I didn't graduate on time because I neglected my studies early on. What helped me in the development was Willie Wesley, Floyd Lane, Pablo, you know, Hilton White, talking to people like that. And the reinforcement, the, 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 I, I call it the physical behind the scenes reinforcement was my parents. You don't finish. And I don't care who drafts you. Okay. And my mother said this. Where is my college degree? So I went back to school, and anybody who's questioning me, they could check the records. I went back to school in the summer when it was, and I know it's hot down there now, 115, 120 degrees, and went and tried to be a student athlete again to get my undergrad college degree from my mother. But she said, without that, you're nothing. So the reinforcement and the validation was not about playing basketball because I tell people I had doubts when I, I got drafted. They said, you had doubts when you got drafted? Yes. I never played in any pro teams. I knew nothing about the NBA draft. Okay, so when Cincinnati drafted me, the the, 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 the next, I think, revelation or blessing was Bob Cousy, who I still call my stepdad. He gave me a chance to play when nobody knew anything about you. Because right. Bob with uh, a guy named, uh, I forget his name, he was scouting with Cincinnati, and uh, Joe Axelson, they went to Hawaii, they went to Indiana, and they watched this little skinny guy play. And I think, more importantly, Bob looked at me as a shadow of what I could do maybe to help his franchise. Before I got to Cincinnati, Oscar Robinson, and people talk about Cincinnati, with Cincinnati Royals, I said there's only one man that I could come up with, and that's Oscar Robinson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was a franchise guy. I got there a year later, Oscar was in Milwaukee. Norm Berlin was still there. Norm Berlin, the next year, got traded to Chicago. Bob said, this is your team in the ball. I'm shocked. <laughs> I was a quiet introvert. I'm shocked. Okay, that he gave me a chance to run a team. I did that a little bit at Bill Clinton. On a different level. I did that at Texas Wrestling. But before he turned over to Texas Wrestling, became University of Texas, we were really there, my idol. So I didn't have the pressure I had until I got into the league. Okay, me and Sam Lacey uh, were rookies. He gave me a ball. He said, Jeff, you know, ball your team. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked. So it wasn't a smooth transition, okay, and people say, well, how was it? I said, it was a doubtful transition because we had Don Coaches was there, Guy and Dow Inhofe who played in the Olympics. We had a lot of veteran guys there, Johnny Green, 10, 12-year veteran. Those guys helped me in building a stronger foundation. They told me, just like I was in college, when I was in Willie, 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 and never should. This is what you do? This is what you don't do. You're not going to go over there. You don't hang out here. This is where you eat. And the difference between then and now is we didn't have that much more money to do anything. Okay? So they kind of took me under my wings. They said it was, and it's it's a two-way thing now. You got the ball. 
if we tell you you, you're going to tell us. Okay, so cross the court staff that really helped me in my development because I'm not, I knew nothing about Cincinnati. Then we moved to Kansas City. I knew nothing about any of the cities. Those guys were there, and I blessed them and I thanked them because they gave me some insight on stuff that right now that's not happening. Okay, the, the, the rules have changed, people have changed, the game is better now. But when we were playing, Exhibition games, it was a bus league. Right, right. When we play and went on the road, we had roommates. Mm-hmm. I'm serious, because people think, what, a roommate? Yes, we had roommates. Me and Sam were roommates together, even though we were playing on a professional level. Huh. We were in coach. Now it's mandatory that everybody rides the first class, even the coaches. Right. And everybody has travel flights now. We had to go commercial all the time. Okay, so, I mean, the rules have changed. The game is much better now. The players are younger and bigger and stronger. But back then, I don't believe nobody came out of college or went from high school to the NBA. I mean, I remember uh, we had Moses and uh, thinking of a couple other guys that went from high school who had an option to go from high school into the pros. But Moses... You know, God bless the dead, you know, six, eleven, seven foot. The Archibald was, I don't know how tall I am right now, but they said he was six feet, 155 pounds. So I had an option to get a free and affordable education, and I took advantage of it. Sure thing. And now you. The transformation was those guys helped me in that development. Right. I think the foundation of the game is important. I think the veterans back then was essential in me growing in the game, knowing. You know, not just passing and on the court where you, you you see people before and after and you think about playing before and you make an assist. They gave me an assist in order to keep myself, you know, visible and also my vision that this is what you do, listen, understand, and maybe you can, you know, give some of that knowledge to the people that are coming behind you. And, I, I you know, I thank them for that all the time. And I think, too, I mean, you mentioned Bob Cousy. He obviously had a, a big impact on you early on. But then your career, so your career takes flight with Coos in Kansas City and Cincinnati. But then you win that title with Cousy's franchise, the Celtics, in 80-81. Uh, what was that like right. finishing your career with a franchise that really helped, to, even to this day, to define the game? Was was that sort of the perfect... And, I, oh, go ahead. and that was another big question mark, but I think that I can give you a couple of names. First, first person I'm going to name is Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was, and everybody always asked me about Larry. And I said, Larry was one of the guys that I consider, I said, he's number one on my chart when people say, who's the best player you ever played with? I told Larry Bird. I said, but then, let me just not exclude the other guys, okay, because Kevin McHale came, in a trade, and Robert Parrish. I said, I believe I played with the best friend line in basketball. Red Allback was a catalyst behind the scenes, okay? Nate Archibald was almost out the lead. You know, Bill Fitch came, took over, and they said, we needed somebody just to manage the game. Because I believe we got these young guys, and they were young, they were rookies when, when, when I was almost out, you know, on my way out. I was at the exit, and they was coming in the entrance. <laughs> And Larry was the catalyst of the team, but they said, you won 
you know, you were the guy that, I said, I was the guy that managed the game and orchestrated William. All I needed to do was find Riley, Kevin, Robert, yeah, and that was the Joe Henderson was to me the 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 the, the all everything guy in the backcourt. Chris Ward was there, but we had complimentary players, and I know a lot of people don't like that word. We had complimentary players, but the Cavaliers was Larry, Kevin, and Robert Parrish. You can see that because they played about ten years or whatever together. But all they did was. I call it changing the guard. And anybody who knows the game knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Brad Orbach behind the scenes was the maestro. He gave me a chance like he gave me. I'm going to just mention a couple guys. Paul Silas, Ron Cheney. We have to end our careers. Red gets you in the, you know, the crystal ball. He sights you up and tells you you could do this and you could do that. And maybe you can, maybe you can't. But he's going to make you believe that you can Okay, and he says, look, new coach coming in, because I never, you know, Bill Fitch, I remember Bill when he was with, you know, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and, and other teams, but I was never under uh, Bill until he was in Boston. Right. And I, I tell people I had a great time because the game changed for me. Okay, the game reverted back to high school when the coach said, I don't care if you don't score. Uh-huh. I need somebody to run the team. Right, right. And I'm thinking, I can still score. I don't want you to score. I want you to win the team. And back then, I was an introvert. So when he told me that, I said, man, I better get my my, my passing skills defined because I want to be on the team. Same thing with the pros. I wanted to finish out my career to see if I could get a championship. And Larry, Kevin, Robert, Chris Ford, ML Carr, Rick Roby, I can keep naming guys, Joe Henderson, you know, uh, gave me a chance to be on that team, and I know they were there after I left and won championships, but the maestro, they're all back. He was the maestro. And that proves that, you know, my point is that Red was coaching, he became the general manager, he became the president, and he was with that organization longer than anybody else in the history of the game. Yeah. Because everybody talks about the legacy that Red and Boston Celtics will always have. Nate Tiny Archibald, one more question for you. And again, we appreciate your time so much here on the Basketball Hall of Fame Legends podcast. What does it mean for you to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this stage in your career and your life? I, I, I love it. I, and, and, and I try to be up there every year because we have a sort of a, a business, a basketball collectible business, and everybody who's anybody will be there, you never know, but we try to get the class that comes in their own basketball, even though we might have a class ball, and, and, and it's complimentary, and just meeting coaches and seeing people, meeting family, because some of the players that or some of the contributors that we give a ball to are not physically there, here anymore. So it's it's things that you could talk about, things that you hear, and they appreciate it because, you know, when we started doing this, nobody else was doing the collectible with their own husband or wife, coach, contributor on, on the ball, and everybody loves it. But just to interact with, you know, last year it was Iverson, Yamin, and Shaq, 
and I met Shaq a couple of times at some of the signings, but Iverson is one of them guys. He's like, you know, Batman, hard to catch up with. Okay, and I mean, he's just love to see, you know, he's like the Empire State Building over there promoting basketball, which has more people than any other country in the world. So just to be around there, but also the, the, the women in basketball, the coaches in basketball, high school, college, and the players, just to meet them and, and and hear some of their stories, I think it's a reinforcement that the game has grown, okay, from high school all the way up into the pros, international now, and when we were playing, we didn't have any international players. Now most of the guys, if you look at it, uh, most of the teams have international players. And I, and I think that's uh, a blessing for the league and also for the Hall of Fame, recognizing that there's talent all over the world not just in the United States. Well, he is the man who made it cool to be tiny in a big man's world, the 1991 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, an NBA champion, a seven-time NBA All-Star, a three-time NBA All-First Teamer. He is Nate Tiny Archibald. Nate, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me, my man.